Love this podcast? Support this show through the supporter feature from Acast. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. I'm Sandra and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn and has professionals you can't find anywhere else including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role like me in a given month over 70% of linkedin users don't visit other leading job sites so if you're not looking on linkedin you'll miss out on great candidates like sandra start hiring professionals like a professional post your free job on linkedin.com/people today Please consider supporting Black Women United YEG for the protection and advancement of black women and girls in Alberta. You can learn more about them at bwunited.ca. They are always looking for donations and volunteers. So please, again, support Black Women United YEG for the protection and advancement of black women and girls in Alberta. Again, that website is bwunited.ca. Hey, this is Nicole calling from Hamilton, and I needed to let everyone know that I really proudly support Beach and creative control. I have for many years. I will for many more, as long as he keeps delivering these amazing interview podcasts. When you hear one of Beach's interviews, you think he's known this guest for years. They're good friends. Uh, but the truth is, he approaches every interview, whether it's sort of up-and-coming indie artists or established icons or like famous intimidating comedians with Uh, a really deep, genuine curiosity, so he's never met this person, and the same really warm uh, candor, as though he's known them forever. I think it really lends to a great chat, no matter who he's talking to, and for that reason, I think you should throw Vish, like what, a dollar a month? He's got jokes. The jokes make it worth it. Support Creative Control on Patreon. To make your flexible monthly donation to Creative Control, please visit patreon.com slash Control today. I'm Visha's wife, and remember, when you name a dog Janet or Timothy, you are dragging humanity down just a little bit. Christopher Aidney is a gifted and inventive songwriter, performer, multi-instrumentalist, singer, and producer based in Hamilton, Ontario. An active public force since the year 2000, Aidney is best known by his stage and performing name, Wax Mannequin, and has brought a unique amalgam of theatricality and tranquility to his inspired live performances and eclectic discography, which skews towards impassioned folk and rock music with a wondrous pop song sensibility. His eighth and latest album is a remarkable one called The Red Brain, which enters the world on April 14th, 2023 via Coke's Records. As such, Chris and I reconnected for a good talk about things like how things are going in Hamilton and his organizational role in the Awesome Mom live show series in that city, his work with the producer and musician Corwin Fox, 
the lessons we tried to learn and the adventures he and I once had on a cross-Canada tour with the Burning Hell. The pocket system and remembering people's names, becoming more socially adept, and what the red brain means to him conceptually, his latest batch of songs, the future, and science fiction, how being genreless can lead to creating something timeless, upcoming live shows, other future plans, and much more. A part of the Entertainment One Network with the support of listeners like you who follow and subscribe to this podcast and spread the word about it and make flexible monthly donations at patreon.com slash creative control, which is the primary source of revenue for all the work that goes into this podcast each and every episode. I was going to say each and every week, but sometimes it's twice a week. Often it's more. No, it's not often more than that. I'm trying to set some boundaries for myself. How hard it is to set boundaries for your own self. Anyway, I digress. Thank you for supporting the show at patreon.com slash creative control. With additional support from Blackbird Music, a wonderful record store with locations in Edmonton and Calgary, Alberta, and very friendly staff who will happily greet you and help you find whatever it is you're looking for if you go down to one of their locations. Or say you want to order the new uh, Wax Mannequin album, The Red Brain. Head over to blackbird.ca, type in those search items, and if they've got it, they'll keep it aside for you at the store, or they'll send it to you, to your house. It just depends on what, uh, I don't know, it depends on a few different things. But anyway, learn more at the wonderful record store Blackbird Music and their website blackbird.ca. Plus, in-kind support from Pizza Trocadero, The Bookshelf, and Planet Bean Coffee in Guelph, Ontario, which was once my home, and Granddad's Donuts in Hamilton, Ontario, which is Chris Adeney's home. This is episode 767 of Creative Control, featuring the lovely and talented Wax Mannequin with your host, me, Vish Khanna. Hi, Chris. How's it going? I'm well. Fish, it's nice to hear your voice. Yes, uh, yours as well. Uh, Where in the world are you today? I'm in Hamilton. How are things in my beloved Hamilton, Ontario? I don't know if you know that. Do you know that I love Hamilton? I I know I'm a Guelph person, or I've thought of as that. Now I'm an Edmonton person, but are you aware that I I quite love Hamilton? I know you have uh, connections here uh, with with, the... the granddads and uh, a lot of friends here. So, I, you know, you seem to be, you have many homes and I Hamilton's feel, one of them. I feel like that could be true. I had some good experiences in Hamilton as a young good. person and uh, an it old person. It could go either way. So, yeah. yeah. Uh, Hamilton generally doing well, though. I know, sorry, there is a thing that would come up uh, as I was leaving Ontario that Hamilton was getting uh, Toronto-fied and gentrified and uh, that it was becoming unaffordable for lots of folks, uh, which was an alarming trend. Is any of that calming down or is any of that, is that, first of all, is anything that I just said true from your point of view and is any of it, if so, is it calming down in, in any way? Well, yeah, it's was and in a sense remains true. It, you know, as, as with any city, things are getting more expensive and uh, harder for uh, people to get by and rent, but the gentrification part isn't happening either. So <laughs> it's comp- it's uh, it's confusing. Yeah. It, but, uh, you know, it's nice that there's still a lot of people organizing stuff and, and, and music and 
at other good times. Yeah. No, uh, cool. You know, I still I, I still call it home. I live up the hill in Ancaster and uh, get downtown as well pretty much every day. But uh, Ancaster is, is theoretically part of Hamilton. <laughs> yeah, it's just like an adjoining little town. Is that right? Yeah, they just amalgamated some decades ago. Yeah, yeah. Well, good. Up on the hill, that's good. Things are going well. Yeah. And uh, it's uh, great to have you back on the show. I, I do... Uh, uh, miss seeing you uh, when I got to. Uh, have you been playing actively uh, in recent times, uh, out and about? I try to get out uh, at least once a month in town, running a show series actually in Hamilton. So that's been keeping me a bit busy. Yeah, uh, it's it's my first time working on the other on the other side of the experience. Uh, my mom, uh, my family, my mom has an art studio, and we just putting on, we've been putting on concerts there once a month, and it's been. Uh, helping me feel really connected to, you know, music and uh, giving me a bit of motivation to, and wind beneath my sails. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's a lot of hard work. I've worked on both sides of it myself, and uh, uh, yeah. in my experience, it's uh, it gives you great insight. It's illuminating about how the music business works, but I always found it very challenging uh, and daunting to be organized and do a good job, and uh, how are you finding it? being a show promoter well i uh, have someone someone who organizes the technical side of things really well nick uh, johannes the kettle black and uh i think we we have sort of a path of least resistance approach just trying to uh keep things small uh, mm, and pretty pretty intimate solo or duo performances uh, leaning towards weirder music and because uh, it's sort of a strange space yeah so you know and People come as they will if they're interested in that sort of thing. So I've been having, I don't know, I, I haven't ex felt the stress. It's just been a lot of fun to curate this and, uh, and just imagine, you know, what we can do with it in, in the months to come. I always, uh, I will admit to you beyond the sort of uh, the amount of work you have to do and in some cases the financial risk, I will admit when people didn't show up after all that work, I was disappointed, but I think I was also a little ego bruised of just like, oh, <laughs> like no one really knows all the work that goes into it. You might see a flyer as you're walking down the street or, or you're in a, a, a you know, a, an establishment and you see all these event flyers and maybe you don't think twice about all the work that's going into these things. But uh, being on the other side and, and realizing like, man, I don't think I could have done anything differently. I used the internet. I yeah. postered. I emailed. I made a Facebook thing. I did. And people still... In, in the town, like 10 people showed up. 10 amazing people, by the way. 10 yeah. incredible, wonderful people. But you needed... The best people in town. Yeah, you needed yeah. you needed 100 people to show up. <laughs> so everyone got some money, the bands, the artists. You got your poster. For me, I never took a, a cut. I just wanted to get the money back that I put into it, the posters and the promotion, if I paid for an ad. But when that didn't happen, you're like, I don't know, I don't, you're young. You're young at this job, it sounds like. But have you had those moments where you're like, man, what the, what's wrong with everyone? Because that's where you get, then you start to resent your community. Sorry, this is a bit of a rant. I'm sorry. <laughs> but I, I started to get like, why am I doing this? Like, if no one's interested, why am I? But you keep doing, I just would keep doing it until eventually I'm like, eh, can't do it anymore. Have you had any of these feelings that I've just conveyed? Well, we're, we're getting to the heart of it. Uh, <laughs> those are familiar feelings from years of, of touring and, and trying to put on, uh, on, on the kind of look at me concerts that I uh, that I enjoy so much, yeah. but uh, with this con this series, I I think 
uh, as an antidote to that, I'm intentionally, or maybe just out of laziness, under-promoting and uh, being pleasantly surprised when anyone shows yeah. up. And it's working for us. So. That's true. <laughs> I mean, the, uh, the the pleasant surprise part, not that uh, you know every time is 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 packed or anything but because uh, putting on shows now is is different than putting on shows in the before times it's uh i don't know i think what what really comes out is the the sense of community though more so than you know this is you know while we like to uh, party in this place it's not a bar and uh it's more of just a uh, shows where people can uh, talk uh, not over the musicians but after the musicians so yeah, yeah it's just kind of uh, lets us get together uh, with people we haven't seen for a while. Yeah, I, I appreciate that too. It's a social thing, and uh, I yeah. mean I, that's interesting. You invoked uh, being a touring artist yourself, uh, because if I think back on the and, and you've done it way harder than most people I know, but uh, that would also inform probably your approach as a promoter, because invariably, you and I have played uh, shows in Thunder Bay, and they've been together. I mean, and they've been packed, and you realize well. People want to come out because there's not always a lot to do. Um, so they value when people come to town. But you also understand that the promoter did a good job of getting the word out. Low key or not, it got yeah. the, the word out. But you also know, I think, Chris, and I know it too, like when you get to a town and you play a show and you're you're a little despondent if it's not a huge turnout, invariably someone will come up to you and say, yeah, no one really knew about this. It wasn't really well promoted. Yeah. And you're like, oh, you should have played at the <laughs> place down. Yeah, the you should have played the other yeah. thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. People will start <laughs> to give you that intel, and then you're like, I think that's where I, when I started doing promotion, I had those voices in my head, guilt-inducing voices, frankly. Uh, yeah, yeah. I wasn't yeah. promoted very well. Okay, well, I'm going to do everything I can. I'm going to go pound the pavement. I'm going to take an afternoon or a couple afternoons and get posters up and do all the stuff. So I feel like I did everything I can. So all I'm getting at is... That's important stuff. Yeah. And it's still... Like, people f- neglect the, the physical putting up posters on the poles. And I think that's still... Or in the cafes and whatnot. That's still very important. Yeah. I, I mean, over the years, I've learned there's a lot of magic in just the lineup. You know, just having uh, a, a compelling coll- collection of acts that, that maybe uh, would be a bit incongruous or... You know, you don't always hit it, but that is a big piece of the puzzle, just uh, stacking the bill. And it doesn't mean that everyone, you know, well, each band draws 20 people, so there's 60 people there. It's it's just the, the there's a story that can be told with just who's who's on the lineup, and it can be fun. It's curating, right? Absolutely. And, and yeah. that, can, that can go much, much farther to promote than just, you know, the, uh, handing out, passing out handbills desperately. Well, so. and show promotion 101 is you get a couple of locals on the bill. Yeah. So their friends come out and, yeah. and they spread the word about it. Yeah, yeah. No, I mean, yeah, no, it's, I'm sorry. I feel so far removed from this uh, as both, uh, I'm a less frequent show goer nowadays. Um, yeah. And I'm totally out of the, I'm in a different city. I don't really know. I've met, a, I've actually met a few of the local promoters and that's been good, but I haven't, Whatever. I, I'm not engaging with that stuff as much as I, I used to. You yourself are trying you said you're trying to play live at least once a month. Is that what you were saying? Or is that what you were talking about the, the show series? I just want to clarify that. The the show series is once a, once a month and I myself usually get a gig or two a month. Um <laughs> and that's picking up because of the new record uh, that's impending. But uh I, I'm with you though. There's a certain um 
I assume I speak for both of us when I say we're grown-ups now, and yeah. um, it's uh, this is more inertia. With, with it's so comfortable at home and <laughs> with fam- families and guitars around. Yeah. But uh, I never, I rarely regret, you know, getting out to a show and and so putting them on, uh, and having this little series reminds me of that and yeah. helps me feel like there's uh, a reason to keep uh, being uh, creative and uh, or you know I'm I'm always coming up with songs but having an actual outlet for it, uh, a reason to put them together uh, is a big part of uh, helping me get stuff done. Yeah. Well, I I want to say uh, as usual, you have astounded me. With your latest album, with your, with your, with a, sorry, you've, as usual, you've astounded me with a brand new album. Uh, this one in particular, I'm very impressed with. Um, I was commenting to my wife today as I was making my family breakfast. We had your record on and I'm just like, just the hooks. I mean, Chris, your talent with just choruses and, and things that get in my head. I'm sure I'm not the only one of your fans who thinks this way. It's, uh, it's remarkable. You're a true uh, craftsman, if I may say. I don't mean to overflatter you on this Sunday morning, but uh, oh. <laughs> I just want you to know it, it, I'm very impressed with what you're what you've done here. So, congratulations, if I may say. First of all, holy moly! Thank you so much, Leash. Uh, <laughs> really glad the, the record's landing with you. Yeah. It was a uh, it was a long haul and uh, a lot of long distance fun to make. We did, of course, over the we started pre-pandemic and uh, finished it over the course of it so a lot of uh, files back and forth and yeah. the odd uh, fly out while while there was uh, a lull and we could get on planes and uh, yeah I'm, uh, all things considered I mean it, it took a different a very different path than what I'd expected uh, we kind of imagined us all spending a couple weeks together at, at uh, Hidden Well out in Cumberland with Corwin Fox uh, we thought we'd sort of be a whole gang and just hammer through the thing but uh, it was much more drawn out and in some ways better for it because I had time to labor over things and go back and, and, you know, not feel, not feel as pressured for time because <laughs> there was no sense of it ever being released. So <laughs> um, it's nice to have that impending. Now, for those who don't know uh, the name you just invoked, uh, Corin Fox uh, is a recording engineer, a producer and a musician. Is that a good way of characterizing him? Yeah. 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 And now, is he the producer of this album exactly? I see his name pop up in the credits, but I wasn't sure. Yeah, I mean, yes, there was many of us had a production hand, I guess, but he was the the grand wizard at his uh, at his studio where it all came together. Yeah, but we recorded a bunch in Guelph too with uh, David Copper and uh, my friend Edwin Burnett here in Hamilton, and uh, roped in musician friends from uh, the West Coast and also Ontario. To get it all to get it all rolling, yeah. but um, yeah. so but yeah, Corwin is uh, is the uh, the the main the main engineer and producer behind it. Yeah. So for those uh, uh, who are uh, hearing what Chris was saying a few moments ago, Cumberland, British Columbia, and Chris is in Hamilton, Ontario, uh, geographically very very far apart. But you've had a pretty long uh, working relationship with Corin. I will say a couple things. I went to see. Uh, on a rare night out, my son and I actually went to go see a, a fellow named Andy Schaff play in oh, yeah. Edmonton. Uh, and uh, after the show, my son was very excited because when we went to get the tickets at the box office, uh, sorry, before the show, my son was very excited because when we went to get the tickets at the box office, the person said, and these are your backstage passes. And I I will tell you uh, from years of whatever, I'm like, oh, no, backstage passes. I'm both, I'm, I'm both uh, honored and flattered, but also like, oh no, 
I really don't like bothering people after they've played a show. I just want them to be, you know, have their own time. But we were invited. So my son, of course, was like, oh, my God, backstage passes. What the What does that mean? What are we going to? I mean, just well, it means we have to keep you up later than I wanted to. OK, that's what it means. So it, ideally, you'd yeah. be in bed by the time we're going to be backstage, but we'll figure it out. Play the show. They play the show. It's wonderful. We go backstage. I, I run into one of Andy's bandmates, Colin, a fellow named Colin is playing keys. And singing. Okay. And I say, uh, hi, I'm V. She's like, oh, yeah, we met. We met with Corwin. I say, what? Oh, wild. Yeah, years ago we met. Uh, the last time I was with Andy, we met, and we talked about how we both know Corwin Fox. And I think we actually <laughs> met with Corwin when we maybe they played Hillside or something in Guelph. I'm like, oh, no, I'm sorry. I blanked completely. Now, by the way, everyone, this guy's like six foot four. If I'm going to remember any lanky white dude, it should be Colin. So I feel bad about myself. I'm like, oh, well, how how rude. Anyway, then I'm like, oh, Corwin, yeah. that's great. And I says to Colin, which is germane to this conversation, actually, I made a little recording with Corwin once with Wax Mannequin and The Burning Hell. We went to his house and we made what ended up being a, a seven-inch single. He's like, oh, yeah, right. Yeah, we talked about that. I'm like, right. I'm sorry. Sorry, Colin. <laughs> you were very memorable as a person. But for me, I, I don't know what, what happened to me. Anyway, sorry. That was a long way of saying I've had all these Corwin connections of late. And uh, he's a lovely fellow. Uh, and yeah, has a home studio. Is that right, Chris? Yeah, it's more of like a, it's like a gymnasium, but, uh, <laughs> where his kids do trapeze and he has a recording studio. So it's, it's got a, a varied array of noise making and, uh, acrobatic, uh, devices. But yeah, it's, uh, it's really, really special place, really conducive to, uh, finishing each other's sentences musically is this the same uh, place we Cor- would have corwin's that kind of cat is it the same house we would have no oh, it's a different place okay yeah i think uh, they've had one or two places since then but uh this is corwin and kirsten's permanent residence and uh no. it's a bit of a hub for for all things music in that in on that island i think right nice uh yeah and you know him from just what how do you how did you first encounter corwin by the way well my friend Edwin here who's working away beside me passed on an old cassette of one of my live concerts that he recorded in uh, 2000 or something and then uh, to a friend uh, who who then called me and, and on the phone huh. and I was going by the name Arcade then he said is this Arcade and and I said why yes and uh, <laughs> he, asked, he invited me to play a show in Ottawa um, which was far away when you're 20 and I agreed because I had uh, relatives who lived up in Ottawa, so I made the road trip, and we played a uh, a wonderful little show at what was that venue called? The uh, Whipping Post, or Whipping Post. Uh, still, I think it still runs as a venue under a different name in in Ottawa. Hmm. But uh, he, his band, Big Fish Eat Little Fish, uh, that contained a lot of uh, people who are still making music to this day. Uh, really dazzling prog folk band with Jordy, you know Jordy Walker, right? Yeah, yeah. Jordy. Yeah. yeah, and Richard uh, Richie from Arcade Fire, and who else? Who else was in Big Fish? Dean Watson, Dean Watson who, who still who still has a studio in in Ottawa. So uh, a lot of lifers I met that night, and um, people I remained friends with, off and on. And uh, Corwin uh, just and I hit it off because uh, we uh, like the same type of music and uh, similar senses of humor. So yeah, we've uh, co- collaborated on and off ever since. Nice. That's lovely. Now, the record is called uh, The Red Brain. Uh, there is a song of the same name. Uh, I want to begin there 
because it's the first thing that we will uh, all encounter as we're digging into your latest work. The title and the fact that there's a title track is often telling. And I, I'm picking up on some <laughs> themes on the record that uh, make me wonder about how we're all thinking about things and processing things. And I couldn't help but wonder if all of this was connected to this notion of the red brain. But perhaps I'm overthinking this. Uh, as you do when you're thinking about a brain, what does the red brain connote for you? I, d- I think it uh, the connection is for me is the uh, just my attempt to interv- interface with uh, people over the years and uh, navigate music adventures that I'd go on touring hmm. and uh, you know feeling that I could keep in I, I had many friends uh, and and people that I that I kind of developed. Uh, creative relationships with uh over the years but always felt a bit distant i think socially and has something to do with the creative neurology of my um, uh, you know the way i think and the way i create uh, i don't communicate socially uh in the same way as others and so it takes uh, a long time or a particular kind of person for me to connect with on a more friendly level Anyways, uh, it's 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 a big ask. I can't really explain some of the the, the themes behind the record, but it it certainly has to do with the the way my mind tries to uh, you know function in this world. So sorry, is the red brain? That's a horrible explanation. I'm sorry. No, no not at all. <laughs> Moving on. No, no, it's not an horrible. No, it's. I, I think it's a obviously a complicated concept for you, and. Uh, I mean, for those listening, I can relate to what Chris is saying about Chris, <laughs> because uh, you and I have known each other a long time, and uh, I think you're a really thoughtful guy, but you're you're self-aware about, I don't know, how others maybe perceive you, or I've never thought of you as an unfriendly person, but you find it, it's a, it's a challenge for you to kind of interact socially? Is that kind of what you're getting at? Yeah, I think so. I'm, and, and, you know, I'm f- quite forgetful and messy. And uh, when you told that story about meeting someone for the first time that you'd probably met a few times before, it's pretty familiar to anyone who, who travels and, yeah. and, and does music. Uh, and that's uh, just part of life. But it always, that really gets under my skin when I, you know, meet someone and feel like I, I should know them already and find out that I do and, and you know, can't remember their name and, and I'm hard pressed to remember some ridiculous adventure we'd gone on together, like hopping from one train car to the next and in uh, Cranbrook, British Columbia or something. And I think, Oh yeah, you were that guy. <laughs> and uh, it's, uh, there were, there were a good 15 years there where I was uh, traveling and getting debauched. And uh, you know, it's not that I have no memory of that time, but it's uh, now that my life is, more regimented, uh, more structured. I feel uh, much more, much more together as a person. And while the time is is passing very quickly, I find in a, in a sedentary life, and uh, it's a little bit harder to carve out needed time for my creative roles. I'm much happier, much more grounded uh, as a as a as a self. I think so. You know, being wayward for a good chunk of my life uh, was really appealing and addicting. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm not saying I won't end up back there at some point, but I, uh, I, I, I see the value in, uh, in, in trying to carve a uh, steady, stable life and, and self helps me keep track of my wallet and keys 
<laughs> which you would misplace often when we were on tour. I remember that. Do you remember that? I remember, yeah, you had, you had some advice for me that I should just continually, I should always put my wallet in the same pocket. Uh, pocket system. And the keys, and, the, and that never works for me. I have, this, I have this funny thing where I can... I can't develop habits. I think I've I've realized hmm. like I can be dedicated to a habit, hanging my keys on the hook every night and and, and yeah. commit to yeah. it when it's a new and exciting thing to do, and it, it's great because I'll know where my keys are each day. And a month or two will go by. Um, it's kind of the opposite with me. You know, when they say if you stick with something for a month, it becomes a habit. I think I can. Uh, immediately develop habits, and after a month, I get bored of it, uh, of the habit, and no, and then begin losing, and then I lose my keys again. Yeah. So, in traveling around the country, uh, from moving from town to town, it just sort of exacerbates that problem. All everything you're saying relates to what we have just been talking about about remembering people, because uh, first of all, for those wondering what I meant there by the pocket system, and I'm just going to be a dad. For some reason, I was a dad to you on that tour and it didn't quite pan out Chris I'm sorry the pocket system that's, for me is simply well I, I didn't never, mean never, we're, we're the same age I'm not <laughs> really your father on that. no well I just mean I was like why don't you just come up with a system where you always have it my thing is I put my wallet and for all the thieves and pickpockets out there listening right now who encounter me in real life I tend to keep my wallet on my left side of my body in whatever pocket I have and my keys on the right side. And if they're not there, I know something has gone wrong. That's just a yeah. system I've developed. And then I, I, it's not that it's fail safe. Sometimes I'm like, oh shit, where's my wallet? Oh, right. I took it out of my jacket and brought it to the computer to buy something or whatever, pay for a bill. And then I forgot to put it back. And then I figured it out it's not a big deal. That's the one thing. And I didn't mean to dwell on it. <laughs> but when Colin says, yeah, we met before. And when you say, Chris, I feel badly when I don't remember someone I went on an adventure with. Here's what I was going to say about that. When you're at a festival, a music festival, and you meet someone, I think it's generally understood. Because Colin's reaction, by the way, was, yeah, yeah, it's okay. I understand. He wasn't mad at me. I felt badly the way you feel badly. When someone says, yeah, yeah, we actually went on a kayaking trip together. Remember the raft tipped over and there was a shark? And you're like, oh, yeah. Yeah, that's right. That was memorable. I'm sorry. My point is... At a festival, everyone, I think, understands you're meeting a 1,000 people in a weekend. So if something goes by, it's understood. On tour, not only are you meeting a new new group of people every day, it's blurry. You're coping. Touring is, oh. I, I think you're just constantly like, okay, did we get food? Are we going to make it on time? Is everything going to work out? And you're just constantly, I think, coping each day until you and you play the show. Mike, Mike, do you know what I'm saying here? I I get that, and and and, there's, and everyone gets that. It's just I I don't accept it. I find, <laughs> I find it painful. <laughs> you know? yeah, but you're 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 self-immolating about something that I think is normal to not remember. Oh my god! Like Chris again. I don't mean to keep dwelling well, on the one experience I, we I, had, but we did 27. Sh- we did like 24 yeah. shows in 26 days. I remember a good chunk of it, but I also couldn't tell you everyone's name, and I don't. That's I, so, I assume they'd be I, okay with that. Self-immolation is part of my process, but I I, I know that I'm aware that uh, it's perfectly normal to not remember everyone's name. It's just <laughs> I, I think it's just a symptom of uh, of of traveling. 
uh, every day. Yes, that's what I'm and, saying. And it's one of one of the features of, of touring that I wasn't, you know, that I didn't I didn't take to something I didn't like. My my pocket systems uh, <laughs> is is much more effective than yours. I I leave my wallet in Thunder Bay and I pick it up on the way home. <laughs> no, 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 no. They're very trustworthy. You there. leave your wallet in the venue. And then when we discover yeah. in the morning you don't have it, we have I, to wake up the promoter I, and the club owner. I leave it on the stage. No, no. <laughs> she was I saying, call them from Vancouver and say, I think I left my wallet. See, there. see, yeah. you remember these things. It's not At like... The foundry. Yeah, you remember. Like, yeah, we found it in the back. Matthias, so. uh, our colleague on that same tour, which I didn't plan to dwell on too much, uh, but it was meaningful to me. Uh, I will tell you that because I didn't do too many of – that's the only cross-Canada touring I've done. Most of the touring I did was in the States, to be honest, when I was more an active yeah. musician. But my point is Matthias's naming system, by the way, do you remember that? Where he said – I'll just tell you in case you don't remember. But he would say if you meet someone and they say, hi, I'm Frank, you mentally imprint Frank on Frank's forehead. And then you say his name <laughs> – Do you do that? Have you- you say his name three times. Hey, Frank – Nice to meet you, Frank. Frank, I'm just going to go to the bathroom. You just keep saying the name for the rest of the, as much as you can to yourself and to them. And then ideally you retain it. I've never really employed this. Did that st- strategy work for you? Did you pick, pick that up from Matthias? No. I, so I never. I, I, I have Chris I think, bla- on my, across my forehead? No, well, you I know. But I, I don't, when I meet someone and I forget their name, that's when I remember Matthias's system. Like five yeah. minutes later when I forget their name, I'm like, shit. Oh, I should have used Matthias. I should have tattooed their name on their forehead <laughs> mentally, and then this would be fine. Anyway, that was there yeah. were a lot of memory mnemonic sort of uh, advices given to each other on that trip, and I remember it well. Back to what I was getting at, though, and I appreciate that you feel self-conscious about your explanation. The red brain as a as a concept, is that something you invented? Is that drawn from science? I don't, I've never heard this expression, the red brain. There's a book called the red brain, blue brain, where someone oh. gives uh, th- this. I, I, I came up with the, the song before finding this, but I haven't read the book. It had, uh, that's in the idea is that there's a reactive Amygdala firing brain, that's the red brain, and the blue brain is the calm, tranquil, mindful brain. I'm not sure uh, if that really ties in with uh, the themes in the record, but there is a song on the record uh, called Red Brain, and it's about a floating red brain in the sky that swirls around and and consumes you know, the world. And so I don't, I don't think there's too much to read into that uh, from a... From a scientific uh, standpoint it, it's just sort of a an image that came to mind and uh, but there there are there are neurological themes I guess through the record and it, it, that's that's sort of that's true of all my music it's something that comes up again and again as uh, uh, part of my uh, my my thing part of my jam is to uh, figure out how to relate to people as I do my as I do my stuff, I think I think part of the appeal of of music for me is sort of uh, communicating, you know, on stage, trying to uh, find a, a common ground with an audience. I think is uh, it can be really transformative for me. Yeah, you know, to to try to try to get some of my uh, my ideas out there and write songs and stuff and sing them. It feels good. No, I, I, I know it does. Uh, I can tell. 
uh, you do it with such passion and, <laughs> and gusto that oh dear. I, I can tell that that's what's going on. My my questions. Where are you here, taking me, Vish? <laughs> I wonder a couple. I wonder a couple of things. A, I wonder if I know you can't generalize about this whole record, but I am picking up on some science fiction themes, per, perhaps uh, pondering uh, a not so distant future, um, maybe post humanity. I can't figure that part out. I want to ask you about that, but just sticking with the brain for a moment. Uh, I know you've talked about already in this conversation how you are self-aware about how your brain maybe works socially. Uh, but I wonder if you think about how often you stop and consciously think about your brain and your mind. And, and you know, I think about the things you make, whether it's candles or music or art, uh Famously, for me anyway, you have one of the most interesting uh, album covers ever, which is a guitar strung across your face. Like, that is not a normal thought on some level. Like, I don't think your thoughts are always... I'm surprised by your thoughts. Let's put it this way. I know you're a human, I think. We're both humans, but your thoughts and your ideas, sometimes I'm like, where did this even come from? So do you spend a lot of time thinking about why you think the things you think? Does that make any sense? Uh, I'm, I'm too busy, I think, to, uh, to, to do that. But when I get a, a good idea or what I think is a good idea, I try to uh, write it down and, and turn it into a song. Or sometimes it won't be a song. It'll be a uh, uh, an image or a, or a candle. Yeah. So I, 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 I'm just trying to service uh, the ideas. And sometimes I go through long stretches and I, and I don't come up with much and and other times they happen more frequently. I, I've been I've been thinking that the, the past few months, uh, as I'm waiting to, you know, uh, I'm just sort of focusing on work and these shows, and uh, had 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 the thought that I hadn't been writing music, and and then and then I listened to my uh, the recorder on my phone and realized that uh, I've been, you know, singing or, or strumming little half baked ideas and. Uh, I, the problem isn't coming up with ideas; it's just finding the time to finish them now. So yeah, I think when I was traveling a lot, I could, you know, either in the car write songs while I'm driving, which sounds da- more dangerous than it is, <laughs> or, or, uh, <laughs> or uh, you know, uh, when I'm when I'm sitting before a show, there'll be more time to to practice and write. I think the pocket system for me, uh, the most effective. Uh, system would be, uh, you know, f- carving out an hour a day just to, just to finish some of the some of the the ideas I'm having, some of the uh, songs that I've, I've started and recorded in my uh, my device. Yeah, I think once I do that, I'll ha- I'll have plenty to work with. Right. Okay. Now I, I wanted uh, I, I, the other thing I alluded to there were some of the potentially timeless, if not futuristic, ideas that I hear in your work and on this record. Can you speak to that? Does it feel a little, for lack, I don't know if this even resonates with you when I say it feels science fiction-y, but do you know where I'm coming from with that with some of these songs? Like that it feels like you're talking about what's to come as opposed to maybe as it's informed by what's happening now. Does that make sense? I think my songs are little stories or vignettes and Sometimes uh, I, I sketch out a different take on society or civilization, and uh, if that comes across as science fiction, I guess I guess I, I could see what you're referring to. There's a song called "The Obelisk," yeah, that that 
maybe uh, seems a bit uh, science fiction or magic realism-y. But again, it's just I'm just I'm just trying to service the idea, you know, and have a an idea for a story, an idea for a song. I I, I mean that's my approach to music generally. I, I'm not wired to think in terms of genre, so uh, I'll have an idea, I'll write a song, and and it'll come out as as it does. I think that's it's been a hard sell to to not be able to pigeonhole myself in a genre but i think looking back i'm i'm pretty happy about uh the fact i i'm not a folk musician or or, or rock or whatever uh i i i i i, I follow ideas not to not genres so i don't know if it's comes across if there's songs that come across as science fiction then uh, then super well again science fiction is not a music genre uh, I no. just want to clarify this, and where I was coming from is, <laughs> you you related to the, you you just referred to the fact rather that you have not stuck to any genres, and those of us who follow you uh, can attest to that. But what else I've picked up on, and it was I was thinking about it as I was listening to this record, is that you've also intentionally or consciously or not, I'm not sure, your discography to me seems very timeless, like it doesn't seem married to any particular zeitgeist moment or trend if you will uh, sonically you've you've chosen to work with people engineers and producers that don't uh, glom on to I know they're using whatever technology is available to them but I don't hear the technology um, and then I think about how you're writing about songs you mentioned the obelisk there's also a song here called uh, this is not the worst it gets and uh, when I think about what you're singing about there there is a kind of temporal placement of like yeah now we're now but i can tell you coming up this isn't even as bad as going to be my wife was like this is she likes your record a lot but she's like it's kind of bleak i'm like i don't know if it is i can't tell i think it's realistic and and um and so sorry there's a lot swimming around in what i'm trying to say but um i think of that line in two ways um yeah that yeah stuff out there can get much worse but it's also a song about depression and in sort of a cycle, in a depressive cycle, when one's coming out the other side, uh, it still sucks, but part of you knows that it's getting better, that you're out of the pit, you know? It's like a yearly cycle or, or you know, you know you're know you approaching spring or, or whatnot. It's a... Uh, time, though. It, Everything you're saying right now has to do with our relationship to time. Uh, and that's what I'm kind of trying to get at with my convoluted question. Uh, how conscious are, are you? Like you mentioned, like you, it sounds like you were at least self-aware, if not conscious of the fact that you don't land in any genre. Let's talk about time. Like if you think back on how you've written songs and presented them, if what I'm saying is true and I don't think you're married to any particular time, the way like there's certain records that have come out this century, we're like, oh, that's totally a 2003 record. You know what I mean? To yeah. me, if I and I'm generalizing, of course, but certainly in the last of uh, in your last four or five records, I I would argue that they they could have come out at any time, and they could be about they they might have been about I'm putting that in air quotes things that are still relevant now, and I think that's a really wise move you've made. In theory, you could be singing a lot of these songs when you're 80, Chris, and they would still make sense. Maybe you won't make sense when you're 80. I don't know. But my point is, is timelessness or or being cognizant of the time you're in any part of your practice, in a sense? 
I think I don't have the apparatus to the apparatus apparatus to uh, work within you know current style. Yes, is uh, popular. Yeah, or current, and uh, I like to think I, I use that to my advantage long term as a songwriter. Uh, yeah, I mean, I'm I'm aware that uh, uh, I, I flirt with with style and sound, but don't commit to any. And you know, rather than uh, create like an amalgamation of, 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 of styles. I just try to be a bit, or, or end up being, I don't know if try is the word, but I end up being a bit uh, genre-less and, and style-less, mm-hmm. hopefully in service of the idea. Well, like a song like Sick Boy almost employs like elements of like klezmer or something, but it's it's sort of folk. It's a folk song. And then at the same time, for people who haven't dug into this record yet, Chris will get into sort of metal and punk, but it doesn't sound like any particular... Uh, period of those things to me and it all works together cohesively on the same record and that's Chris I'm talking about you like you're not here I just want you to know that it's appreciated it makes for a very dynamic kind of adventurous uh, listening experience thanks Sick Boy was uh, written by originally by an artist uh, who I think I have a lot of a lot in common with uh, lyrically uh, a fellow named Ragu Lokonathan out in I think he lives in Prince George now hmm. and uh, he kind of wrote the original version of that song and we took it somewhere new on the record oh I see but it's uh, it was a fun one to sing and you're right it's very has an Eastern European sort of sound to yeah. it yeah 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 so you're I think you are boundless in a sense so you can do anything you want and it makes sense as a wax mannequin piece uh, you say you were, you started this pre twenty nine or pre twenty twenty, right? You started working on this before the pandemic. Yeah, Ray Spoon helped to give it the nudge to uh, to you know maybe put all the pieces in place to 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 start this record, and uh, I kind of wrote spent I spent a good four months writing, uh, and then got to uh, pre record, just sketch out some tracks with Corwin. Uh, just before the pandemic hit, and mm. since then it was just back and forth. So lyrically, were most things conceived of before the pandemic? Not really. Hmm. Uh, I'm trying to think which songs. Maybe the Red Brain itself, the song Red Brain, was uh, written pre-pandemic. The rest uh, kind of pieced together during that time. I mean, everyone was, what else could you do? pandemic uh, time there's a lot of writing that happened yeah so yeah no um, you know for sure but even when i think about a song like the obelisk which correct me if i'm wrong chris uh an obelisk is a kind of a monument to uh a civilization really it's sort of a marker of what may have occurred is that a way of putting it i'm, I'm misspeaking i think i, I in, th- in this song it is it's just a, a humorous little tune about uh, far future time yeah when uh we're long gone, and uh, my thought is that the plants and animals uh, that evolved to build a new civilization might uh, might appreciate our, our mistakes. Yeah. So I, you know, that's what the uh, the song is about, and and uh, I guess there's an obelisk that uh, that we write all of our good ideas on. <laughs> and did you write that one prior to the pandemic, or uh, after? No, I wrote that during. Yeah. So. Because I don't know if you felt this way, but I think um, a lot of where people got uncomfortable or unsure about how to manage uh, what was happening between climate stuff, 
imminent climate change, uh, this pandemic, like sort of existential, not sort of like real existential threat stuff. And I think part of the narrative around, um, COVID was like, this isn't about your bad cold. This can impact your future. Like this, that's what mm-hmm. they've been saying. Like this has a long term. The, the fear is, well, initially the fear was that it was killing people and there was no future. And then it became not only is it doing that, uh, if you get it, your body and mind will, could change forever. And we don't know the end goal here. All this to say, I think people were forced to think about the future a lot more and think about their legacies and what they've done and what they could do. Uh, given everything that- and also the impact to the society i mean when something like that happens uh, the cards are reshuffled and you know i don't think the the way the hands have been redealt is particularly equitable and uh, yeah I, I think uh but we had growing awareness of that during lockdown that uh you know yeah they should maybe maybe <laughs> there shouldn't be these re- record profits during this time and and that uh, we might have sort of an economic or, or societal uh, bill to pay when uh, when we come back. Yeah, but within that, I appreciate what you're saying there, of course. But within that, where I was kind of coming from is the swirl of temporality that has been invoked. Like, hey, everyone, this happened in 1918. There was a Spanish flu. We've yeah. we as a world have been through this before, and this is how it went down. This is probably what we should do. And there wasn't, I would argue, as we're speaking, there has not been the willpower to actually deal with this in a in a way that manages it, or there never has been, frankly. And all I was kind of getting at is a lot of the narrative I heard was history will judge us. Mm. Historians will look back on how we reacted to this particular pandemic and be like, what the hell? Are you guys doing? What why did you do that? You had all the information. So when I yeah. hear about an obelisk and I hear about songs again, I appreciate what you're the way you framed um the song uh about depression. This is not the worst it gets. Sorry if I'm latching onto something that you weren't thinking of or maybe you view as incorrect, but I just pick up on this timeline exploration that is throughout this record of just thinking about mm-hmm. where we are now where we've been and where we're going. So when you sing a song like the obelisk about uh, a point where vegetation and animals will be all that's left, I'm saying that's in the air right now still, that that, that we as a humanity, <laughs> as a civilization, are on the cusp of some major extinction-level kind of thinking at this point. You know what I'm getting at? Like, Every I don't I know do. every couple of weeks, like hey, more water has melted in the like the ice shelves are melting. Like that's not something we can fight. Or there's no water, uh, and the air is poisoned. <laughs> the air and the water, which we need, is really a factor. Sorry, I don't mean to get depressing, and I don't think this is coming up on your no, record, but not at all. I'm just saying, like in the, and I know that you uh, brought up the fact that um, you're not a folk musician. But I think of folk as being more than just a kind of singer-songwriter style of music. It is a tradition of passing down ideas and talking about the present in the context of the past to inform where we're going. And I feel like you're doing that. Like, I don't think you're a folk musician, but I think that's where your songs are going to outlast. Your songs, Chris, if at this rate, are going to be with those animals and those seeds. Maybe more than other artists' songs is what I'm getting at. You've done something timeless. 
I didn't mean to review. It's a strange time to try to put out music in the face of everything you just described. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, trying to, to call uh, oneself a musician and a performer or a touring artist or any of that is, uh, it, it seems very outdated. <laughs> so, yeah. So, uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm ready to be outdated, but uh, in, in the face of that, to try to imagine putting out a record and promoting it and touring it and putting up posters, you know, is uh, there's a double think that has to happen. It's yeah. uh, it's a hard sell, but I'm still having fun with it. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> so that's important. To pick up on my wife's interpretation of the red brain, um, let me ask you a blunt question. Uh, are you Are you feeling hopeful? For, the, for those who don't know, Chris, you're you're not just an artist. You're a teacher. You're a parent. If I may over-romanticize those vocational things, or rather those parts of your life, being a parent feels like a vocation, but it isn't technically. I would think being around children would, in a romantic way, instill you with hope. It does. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. So are, but, but based on these songs, do they feel hopeful? To you? I, t- I, I try to have enough double meaning in, in uh, the lyrics and the song titles that uh, they can read that way or they can land that way. Again, I, 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 I'm captivated by the daily grind and finding comfort in setting, uh, eking out, uh, find, uh, setting up as, as much structure as I can in my days to keep my, my wits about me. But yeah. um, am I hopeful? I don't know. I mean, uh, we're going to go on for as long as we can and I'm going to... Uh, Try to do as much good uh, uh, as I can for my kids and the and, and the folks around me. Uh, so that's hopeful, you know. Just committing to acts of of good and being, you know, gracious and considerate in you know in any interaction. I think that's that's where hope is for me. Just trying to you know be small scale, yeah, uh, kind. <laughs> that's well said. And that's all you can do is be good in your community, I guess, is where maybe you're coming from. Or strong? Be good and strong? What's the word? I don't know if that's right. But working, you're doing the community work that I think is what people need to be doing. Uh, I don't mean to be like act locally, think globally or something. I'm not trying to be a tote bag slogan. But I think that's you're not the only one who said that. Like The best I can do is what's in front of me, outside of my house, and in my neighborhood, and in my community. The world is so daunting otherwise that... If I can find joy and contribute something meaningful locally, then that is going to get me through every week. Um, sorry, does that sort of reflect some of what you were just saying? Yep. And I think making things still has a big part in, in that. Yeah. The concerts we're putting on, I I, I, I think the, the benefit for, for me is just bringing people, however reluctantly, together to have a... a a really positive experience and, and, and walk away remembering that it's incredibly important and uh, satisfying to get together with other people in person. Uh, there was always, during the pandemic, there was always the, this idea that as soon as it was, quote, over, people would come rushing back yeah. and want to uh, be together. And it's not over. And uh, understandably, I've yet to see that. Um, and of course, the you know the precautions taking appropriate precautions when getting together is a big yeah. uh, ongoing conversation that 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 makes these things more complicated. But 
I still think that, you know, when we can get together uh, safely and for music and uh, other ridiculous creative purposes, it's uh, <laughs> it's a, uh, it's a really lasting resonant positive that, uh, that keeps me going. Tote bag. <laughs> we should, we should put out a line of tote bags with, with everything we've said. This whole, this whole conversation in very fine print. <laughs> well, that would be an interesting way to transcribe it. I agree. That would be an interesting thing we could come up with together. It's not like we haven't made strange things together before. So yeah, I'm up for that. I'm up for that for sure. Maybe I can uh, contact PBS to ask them how we can get that done. They are the king. Must be a kings and queens. It must be a grant. Yeah, it must be a, a tote bag grant. Yeah, I'll figure that out. Yeah, uh, Chris, uh, I thank you for um, this conversation. I want to give you an opportunity to tell people a couple of things. One, what's next for you? Are you working on new stuff, or uh, uh, do you have dates upcoming that you want to tell us about in terms of touring? And secondly, uh, where can people learn more about you? Follow you? Engage with you uh, using, I assume computers and telephones if not other appliances at this point can you share both what's next and also where people can learn more about it yeah i mean we're still piecing a lot of things together uh but i'm going to be doing hillside this year so that'll be fun oh, exciting um hillside festival in guelph uh there's a lot coming together at, at you know at this moment so uh i'll i'll keep people posted on my uh Website, waxmannequin.com. I think at this point it just points you to my band camp, but that works. Yep. Instagram uh, Instagram is at waxmannequin. The, the show series I was talking about is uh, at is awesome mom shows. So that's where I've been putting a lot of my good times and uh, in, in sort of documenting these events we've been putting on. Okay. Regardless, yeah, thanks for talking to me, Vish. It's really uh, been fun to reconnect. Oh, yeah. No, it's my... Go down some wrong rabbit holes and some right ones. <laughs> I hope they weren't that wrong. Uh, is your new record going to be <laughs> available on uh, vinyl and whatnot? Yeah, we have the, the CDs all in boxes here. I don't know if anyone wants them, but uh, vinyl is coming out soon. And yeah, it should be, should be out hopefully not long after people hear this. Yeah. So three three singles are up already, uh, you know, on all the streaming services. So uh, you can find them on title or the other ones yeah yeah <laughs> uh band camp and all that so okay I'm pretty uh pretty excited to to have it rolling and uh like to know what people think you should be excited it's stupendous it's a it's a, a st- i'm gonna don king this and say it's stupendous it's outstanding it's remarkable it's outrageous no it's wonderful i love this record so congrats again uh chris if we can go out on a song from the red brain for people to hear a whole song can you choose yeah. one? Choose one for us, and let us know why uh, it came to mind. Okay, thanks, Vish. Um, well, let's uh, maybe play "Not the Worst It Gets." It's uh, one that we spoke about, so um, I think it hit, hits on a lot of uh, the ideas that we did in a more crafted way than I and I certainly uh, managed in conversation. But uh, yeah, it's it's up. Uh, it's it's that's one I want to hear. Okay, we can go with that. First of all, you did very well today. Don't uh, don't uh, self-immolate about this interview. You did really well. I appreciated. Uh, if anyone bungled this, by the way, it's always me. It's never the guest. That's how I feel about things. So you did well. Uh, this is an amazing song called "This Is Not the Worst It Gets" from an incredible new Wax Mannequin album called "The Red Brain," which should be available uh, soon, if not now, depending on when you're hearing this. 
Chris, uh, I love you very much. I, I appreciate uh, every time we get to talk and connect. Uh, I hope you know that, and I, I hope you enjoyed this. And don't beat yourself, Thanks, beat, beat yourself up over it. And uh, I hope we talk again soon, and best of luck in the future. It's good to talk to you, Vish. See you soon. worst it gets This is not the worst it gets Not the worst it gets The Yukon sun rose up a bit On an icy copper track It already seems about to set But at least you gotta look Just hang on that I'd hang on that This is not the worst it gets I did not mean to turn my back Not the worst it gets Scrambled up an icy track Determined to be fine Never noticed there were other ones Wouldn't make it back in time They'll be alright Maybe they'll be alright This is not the worst it gets Fold your palms into a map Not the worst it gets Found the key beneath the mat Same old house strewn with trash The power's out, the wood is ash You can pass out on my couch Not the worst it gets Blocked the door Secured the latch Not the worst it gets You can hear the howls And fingers scratch Morning comes at last Or the quiet's louder than the crash Bring it in your mind Or let it die Let it die This is not the worst it gets Follow where your money went Not the worst it gets Is it buried deep or gone and spent On the guilty days in bed On the pills and all that cognac All the poor stuff you wrecked You'll give it back I'd give it back 
This is not the worst it gets Quietly you've been calling it Not the worst it gets The cellar safe room lights a crack Cause you've done half of the work And the witching hours are getting short Maybe you will forget You're not alright I wouldn't be alright This is not the worst it gets An understated jubilance Not the worst it gets Some long forgiven moral debt A white moon circles round An implied or imagined sound Echoes every form Notice this Notice this Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Ah, it's always nice to have my old friend Chris from Wax Mannequin on the show and uh, just chat uh, generally. We don't catch up enough. So, uh, Chris, thanks for being on the show to talk about uh, The Red Brain by Wax Mannequin. It was really fun. And for everyone else, uh, this is the 767th episode of Creative Control. Is that correct? Hang on. i got to consult my notes. Usually I'm very organized. Yeah, it is. Man, we're getting, getting old. The show's getting old, everybody. Is what I, <laughs> where I've landed with that. Anyway, this is the 767th episode of Creative Control, which is part of the Entertainment One Podcast Network. 
and is available just about wherever you uh, access podcasts. If you can't find an episode that you're looking for, or if you want to learn more about me and sign up for my monthly newsletter, please visit vishkana.com. You can also like Creative Control currently on Facebook, also on Twitter at vishcreative, or you can follow me directly on Twitter and on Instagram at vishkana. Also, please visit patreon.com slash creative control to make a flexible monthly donation to sustain this podcast. $6 American or more a month grants you access to some exclusive content. Uh, sometimes I go a little bit of over, I do a little bit of overtime with my guests, and that is the case uh, with this Wax Mannequin episode. So if you enjoyed this, uh, if you want to access more of me and Chris just uh, chit-chatting, go to the Patreon. And, and support the show financially. Uh, you don't have to do $6, American. You can do any amount you want, and you can change it at any time. Uh, some people do $10 a month. Some people do $2 a month. Sometimes they go up. Sometimes they go down. That can be you. So please visit patreon.com slash Control for more information about how you can support uh, this show and its work with your dollars. Thank you so much. Thanks again to the fine Alberta record retailer Blackbird Music, which you can learn more about at blackbird.ca. You can go there to place special orders, or you can go there to figure out uh, just uh, where in the world exactly they're located. They have locations in Edmonton and Calgary, but for addresses and and to order things, like I say, visit their website, blackbird.ca. I also want to thank Pizza Trocadero, The Bookshelf, and Planet Bean Coffee in Guelph, Ontario, and Granddad's Donuts in Hamilton, Ontario, for their in-kind support for this show. Thanks, as always, to my friend Jim Guthrie for letting me music of his on the show. You can learn more about Jim at jimguthrie.org. And finally, last but not least, thank you for listening to this episode with Wax Mannequin and checking out The Red Brain, the new album and the back catalog there. Thanks for subscribing to this podcast and telling your friends all about it and spreading the word about Creative Control and following the show and all those sorts of things. And uh, I just can't thank you enough. Thank you. That's the last thing I'll say. Besides, talk to you soon. Be well. Bye for now.